Peter Jackson decided to split The Hobbit into three separate three-hour movies, the reaction was universal. We want more. Well, you're in luck, because Peter Jackson has decided to split the remaining two movies into 18 movies, starting with Hobbit 2, Journey to the Beginning of the Walk to Smog's Lair. Why you stop it? Wait, hold on. Oh, no. And Hobbit 3. Shoot, I just realized I forgot something back at the Shire. Mind if we double back? We have to go back. Well, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen... Throw firecrackers at a dragon. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? Showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to movie podcast for all things concerning the world of cinema. We talk about movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings. And then we break it all down with our movie of the week. Be sure to stick around for the end of our show for our weekly recommends. And also make sure to follow us on Twitter and check us out on our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Brian, this week's movie of the week is... This week we'll be talking about Peter Jackson's The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smile. You have no right to enter that mountain. I have the We've been blind in our blindness. Our enemy has returned. I found something in the Goblin Tunnels. What did you find? My courage. Good. You'll need it. Smaug. Do you guys enjoy, like, Al Michaels and all the various sports anchors and whatnot that, uh, we're trying to say Smaug over the last couple of weeks. What's of funny is I did notice that, Brian. And uh, you know that like <laughs> like the studio had to send somebody, like New Line had to send yeah. somebody down yeah. there and be like, hey, make sure they pronounce it Smaug, not Smaug. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. Somebody's job was to teach Al Michaels how to say Smaug. <laughs> oh, classic. You guys. know Al Michaels wanted nothing to do with that. Like Al Michaels just stared at that guy that was trying to teach him to say that. <laughs> I do, I do. I believe that to be so. Uh, Brian, man, I think you and I were, were Lone Rangers on the last <laughs> Hobbit podcast we did. We so. were, that's right. Richard wasn't there that week. He refused to talk about The Hobbit. He was so angry about it splitting into three movies. So Right. Glad, exactly. uh, glad he put, took down his personal embargo to join us this, this time around. Wait, are we talking about The Hobbit? Well, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> Well, it's been about, uh, I don't know how many, nine months removed uh, since our Hobbit podcast. Mm -hmm. I noticed a lot of people have been listening to that podcast in the past few weeks, uh, gearing up, I assume, for the Desolation of Smog. And uh, the time has come. Uh, The part two of the Hobbit series is here. And uh, I guess we're going to break it down just like we broke down number one. We can compare it to the first one, compare it to the other Lord of the Rings films. And uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about, about this one. That's for sure. I know you and I will, Brian, at least. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, I think we should start things off with a little movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin. Let's let's begin with, I guess, the story of the m- utmost importance to our particular podcast. Uh, the Paul Walker Fast and Furious 
seven saga, I guess, the ongoing uh, drama since since Paul Walker's passed. I guess, you know, the studio is trying to figure out what to do. So the yeah. latest, I don't know if you guys heard, but the latest, the latest I've heard is that um, the whole movie is being rewritten Ooh. to give Paul Walker a... Uh, the word, the words I read was an honorable quote unquote send off. Okay. So when we talked about this a few weeks ago, we, we all sort of, I guess, didn't mind if, if it waited, you know, six months to a year, maybe because, uh, we can wait that long if it's, if it's what it takes for the movie to, to be fine. Number one. Yes, I agree. But number two, um, 2015 really needs more movies in it. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. especially know, in summer, it, yeah. Push it back from that crowded 2014 summer into that 2015 summer is right. is ideal. Gosh. Yeah. You know we say that, but I I can guarantee you that it's going to win its we- win its weekend even in 2015 unless it's going up like directly against Avengers or something which right. which won't happen. I I yeah, like the appeal is there. And the appeal for this next one, especially number seven, is going to be huge. I, I, this is going to be the biggest fast movie ever. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. Just just because people are going to be so curious to see how they handle it, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think it's a franchise that's going to. I think it's a franchise that will continue to get bigger and bigger until it it really falls off the map, one way or the other. You know, eventually, so people will stop watching these in like 2045. <laughs> when Diesel's ninety or something, but uh, no, you're right. This will be a huge movie whenever it comes out, and and they're doing the right thing, uh, giving giving Paul Walker a a a clean way out. I guess is probably what they're doing. I think I think we've seen plenty of speculation regarding just kind of letting his character retire to Mexico or something like that. So I, I'm I'm guessing that's what what you're going to get, and that's that's probably the right way to go. So take all the time you want. Make it a good movie. That's what we care about, you know. Even if it is comes out in 2015, when literally every movie that we've ever talked about is coming out. That's a, I saw. I don't remember what it was, but I was looking at some uh, some Twitter blurbs. I don't know, two or three days ago, and some new movie was had been slated for you know summer of 2015. And I'm just like, stop, stop. Putting every single movie there, guys. Like something's got to come out next year. Something's got to come out in 2016. Can you all just? I don't know. I, I think it's going to be kind of a almost a brutal summer for us. You know like, what's going to come out in that. in 2016, Brian? The answer Nothing. is the sequels to the movies coming out next year and this year. <laughs> yeah, that's about that's true. So we're going to be in this infinite loop until yeah. Hollywood decides not to just keep making sequels. Yeah. But I guess it's exciting news that. Uh, they're going to rework this, make it good. I, I don't know. We, we didn't have the debate uh, when we talked about Walker immediately following uh, the the incident. We didn't have the debate. How much do we think Paul Walker's death is going to affect the Fast franchise in a bad way? Like, if there's ever a time for this thing to fade out, now might be the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, when Paul Walker just tragically dies, like, that's that's awful, you know? Yeah. Um, I think the series can make it as long as Diesel's the main focus of the of, of the series. Um, but I don't know that we can. I guess we can't really know that for sure until we see it. You know, I I don't know how well this dynamic works without Paul Walker and without Brian O'Connor and, and that 
strange relationship that they have. So I guess we'll see. I kind of, and maybe you guys completely disagree with me, but I kind of wish that at this point, now that they're having to push it back and rewrite it and all that, that uh, Justin Lin would step back in to to direct because I, I feel like he has a, Right, I, I would feel better with this in his hands than I than I do in uh, James Wong's hands, just because he he really understands. I know that he understands the franchise, and I I'm sure the other guy does too. But I'd like to see Lynn be the one who kind of steadies the ship, as it were. Yeah, I've I've also seen some speculation from some very reliable sources, like the Guardian and such, saying that. The studio is going to use Paul Walker's brother in a lot of this stuff. Cody yeah. Walker, who apparently they look pretty pretty similar. So I think his brother sort of volunteered or, or called them up or said, hey, I want to help somehow, you know, with this. Yeah. So he might be doubling or he's a stunt double normally in Hollywood, I think. Hmm. So I think he might be he might be doubling for for Paul in the in this. I mean, they, they'll probably I don't know with the rewrite though. I don't know if they're going to be able to use any of the footage that they shot of of Paul. Do you think it would be a bad choice to to try to use some of it? You know, if they're going to go that route. I don't know. I I think if you if you do it early in the movie, in the first like five or ten minutes, of Brian O'Connor takes takes Mia and their kid. And uh, is it weird that we know all these people's names, just the character names? Just Speak no, for yourself. No I have question. no idea who those people are. Okay. Well, if, if Brian O'Connor and Mia and and uh, Little Dom, I don't, I don't know the kid's name, but I'm assuming he's named after Dominic right. Toretto, obviously. Yes. Uh, maybe they, in the first 10 minutes of the movie, they just kind of, you know, hey, uh, Dom, I'm, I'm out this time, and I I, I got to take care of my family, and retires to to Mexico, and just kind of fades off into the sunset. You could probably string that together using footage that you have and somebody doing like a a, a voice impression and whatnot. Um, I'd be okay with that. I think honestly, I'd rather have I'd rather see him on screen and see his character walk away than do the like you know, kind of have the other characters allude to the fact that he's, he's not hanging out with them anymore or whatever. Yeah, totally. And, um, thoughts are still with the Walker family and everybody involved in, in this. I know they're just probably finishing up all the ceremonies and, and memorial services and all that for him. So man, it's going to be, I, I just hope, like we've said, I think before it's, we, let's just hope they give it, they do it right. Yeah, and uh, keep the franchise have you guys, going. Uh, have you guys bought your copies of uh, Fast Six yet? I have not. No, I'm waiting to see if I get it for Christmas, and if not, then uh, I'm gonna go buy it. <laughs> I didn't even bother so did to put it on my list because I was like, I'm I'm buying it immediately. Mine is like it's like a steel book. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> As the case, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty Fast and Furious. I'm not gonna lie. Does it come with a free pair of Vans and some cargo shorts? <laughs> it should. It should have. All right, guys. Well, um, did you guys hear that? Did you hear that there's a new Anchorman movie? I did hear that. Wait, what? It's weird. They haven't done any marketing for it. <laughs> I know. I heard it through the grapevine. Believe it or not. Um, here's something, guys. Tarantino's new movie is going to be a western. Nice. What? So, I haven't heard this. You're breaking so, yeah. news to me. Breaking news. 
Tarantino is uh, writing it right now. He hasn't. That's all he said about it is that it's a western. It's not a Django sequel, but it is a western. Hmm. Nice. So uh, thoughts, I guess, Richard Barton on Tarantino doing yeah. another western or well, western I mean, type that's, movie. That's exciting. I think. I think Django showed that. Um, you know, he, he really has a, as he does with pretty much any genre, a pretty firm take on it and a pretty original vision for it. Uh, and uh, no, that's 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 exciting. I can't I can't wait for that. I, like I said, not knowing anything about it, not knowing the cast or anything, but I'm sure he'll cast it very interestingly. And I hopefully Christoph Waltz is involved. And I mean, <laughs> sure, he will be. Yeah. What else can is there to say? Sure, Brian. Yeah, it sounds great to me. Uh, you know, he clearly has a good handle on it. That's great. Richard, I'm going to completely steal from you from uh, a way back when we were discussing what we wanted to see him do next. I would love to see him do a like a Cold War thing. I think that was something you, you had mentioned, Richard, yeah. at some point. Yeah. And that's that's now my dream is for <laughs> Tarantino to do a, uh, a Cold War movie. I just think he would have such a cool take on the whole spy game and all that. So yeah. maybe, maybe after this, this next Western, but uh, no, he's, he's great. I, I'm sure is, do you, I don't know that I trust anybody more in terms of casting at least. No. Uh, I know no. whatever he does, the, the cast is going to be remarkable and there's probably going to be something really random in it. That's going to be, uh, we're going to be like, really that guy. And then you're like, Oh, right. Tarantino always does this and it's always incredible. So uh, no, that, that sounds great. Sounds great. Absolutely. Man, um, a little disappointing for me. I, I, I know it's going to be good like because every Tarantino movie has been good pretty much. Like yeah. I can honestly say that. But I want to see him stretch his wings a little more. You know? I, sure. Uh, I, I agree with you, Brian. I, I want him to do maybe something that he hasn't done yet. Maybe take, well, maybe sh- take, a, maybe take a break after – he did Django, do something else, and then go back to a Western. True. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I doubt it'll be exactly like Django. I mean, maybe it'll be a modern oh, sure Western. I mean, yeah. you know, that's kind of vague what it is. I mean, right. uh, it, he, he, I, I trust him to have a pretty original view on things. So Yeah. I wanted him to do sci-fi. <laughs> I yeah, think I said that. <laughs> sort of like a comedy sci-fi movie. Yeah. yeah. About just a dysfunctional crew on a ship or something would be kind of interesting, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think he's only got a few more movies left in him. He said that a couple made that, yeah, that perfectly that, clear, that, you know. So Yeah. It you're right. On that point it is unfortunate to see him do a similar movie than what he's done, at least genre wise, considering he may only have what, three or four movies left. But uh hopefully he's kinda of smoking mirrors on that. It's like cause... he says, um Yeah, my next movie's gonna be set in LA in nineteen ninety three, not ninety two. Yeah. I'd, right. I'd be like, uh like it's not a sequel to Pulp Fiction, but it's going to be kind of like that. So, yeah, I mean, sure. sure, it's going to be great, but come on, give, give us something, you know, something Tarantino-y. I like it when Tarantino takes something and makes it his own, you know? He's already done that for a Western. Well, I mean, eyes. if there's one thing we can all hope for, it's just a lot of N-words in it, though. <laughs> I think we can all, You made, that, made that perfectly that. clear after our 12 Years a Slave and Django episodes, <laughs> Richard. You don't need yeah. to say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> to the audience, they know we're, we're starting to get complaints. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what else, guys? What else is is Brian? There's some X Men news. Is there? Did you hear about it? I haven't. I have not. They you know announced? what I've been doing for the last three what? days, Kent? What? Working. That is it. I feel like. 
like a total just real adult for the first time in my life. <laughs> I don't think I've done anything but work for the last 72 hours. It's ridiculous. Wow. Well, this is this news is at least 72 hours old, so I'm surprised you didn't right. already know it. Well, the the pretty... new X-Men Apocalypse. Did you hear about this? Uh, oh, is no. it the next? That's like the sequel? Yeah. Is that what we're it's talking like about? It's like 2016. Yeah. Uh, Brian Singer is directing it. Okay. So that's, that's all we know at this point. And uh, it might loosely be based on X-Men yeah, Apocalypse, Apocalypse, the comic is, book. Yeah. Or isn't something? Apocalypse a villain, too? Isn't it a character? As far as I know. I, I'm asking Brian. Okay. That's why. I'm not sure. Sounds sounds right. Sounds right to me. I've never read any of the comics, so I don't really, I don't I don't know, really know But how that bodes for that actual movie, but it, it does bode well for the... I mean, they, they, they probably wouldn't greenlight a sequel without any box office results unless the new one coming out is really good. That's true. So yeah, they probably have seen a lot of the new one. Yeah. Yeah. That is encouraging. Uh, But there is also another uh, Wolverine sequel coming. Okay. A direct direct sequel to that movie that we just got the Wolverine uh, this past summer, which I don't think think that's necessary. You know what? We have got to stop getting Jackman as Wolverine. Like, like pick a franchise, give it, give him his own franchise or, or keep him in X-Men, the franchise. Don't, to give us both. That's so much, so yeah, much Wolverine. Wolverine. That's a Wolverine yeah. movie every like eight months. Or something. <laughs> God. Unless yeah, Wolverine starts singing, I'm not interested. <laughs> I want a musical theater version of, of Wolverine. Well, don't him. put it past him because the last movie was all Kung Fu. And yeah, if we had true. said like in 2004, man, if we could just get a Wolverine <laughs> Kung Fu movie, it would be good. And we, we did get that. So two sides. Yeah. Yeah, I think I can see Wolverine doing it, doing an off Broadway. You know, that's where he gets depressed. Oh, that'd be uh, great. They just get Sandberg to be the understudy. Oh, I love that. One of the best bits that, that SNL has done in the last ten years. If you don't yeah. know what we're talking about, it's Hugh Jackman hosting a talk show because he is for people who are both feminine and masculine, and it's it's phenomenal. They did like two different bits. It's probably three or four years ago, yeah. and it is. Yeah. Magnificent. Look at him. Look him up. Sandberg and and uh, and Hugh Jackman's in one of them. It's magnificent. Uh, well, I guess we can confirm a rumor that we brought up a few a few weeks ago that you brought up actually, Brian. JGL is Sandman. Oh yeah, I, I so see confirmed. That. David S. Boyer looks- and Neil Gaiman and um, JGL it bringing. Like I think. G- the- um, JGL is directing, maybe? I saw it too, also. Wow, hmm. that's big. That's a burden. So, yeah, he just, he directed that Don John movie, which yeah. we didn't, which we didn't get a chance to see or do, uh, which, I mean, and, it got, got did, pretty good. And anyone else, apparently. Yeah, I mean, it got pretty good. <laughs> critic, it was critically well-received, I think. Yeah. It was just, but, I mean, I mean directing that and directing a comic book movie is, are two different. Totally. I don't know, that seems like a pretty big burden to act and. Just time wise, I mean, those are those right. are tough. But uh, I saw that Paul Rudd looks like he's going to be Ant Man too. I just saw that, like literally four seconds before he just said that. I saw yeah, it on, awesome. on I'm Twitter. Totally wow. on board for that. That's a great. I think that's a really cool idea. The more I thought about it, yeah. The more I think about Paul Rudd in that role, the more I like it. Um, I would love to see Paul Rudd in like the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. that'd be awesome <laughs> with like Downey and Paul Rudd together. Yeah. As Brian Fantana, though, for no reason. 
Yes. You always forget he's an anchorman, you know? Because yeah. he was like, yeah. what, third build, uh, fourth yeah. build or something on that, just out of that news yep. group, that yep. that movie. But he's great, man. I he like is. Paul Rudd. Let's not get into Paul Rudd talk. Never ages either. He, he looks the exact same as he did in Clueless 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Wow. So I guess JGL finally made up his mind. You know, we've been saying he's been offered pretty much every superhero role or been rumored for everyone that we can think of uh, for a while since he did The Dark Knight Rises. It was going to be, I don't know, he was going to be Batman for a while, and then he was Guardians of the Galaxy rumored, and then yeah. uh, what else? I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, I'm sure you can go back and listen to our episodes, and we talked a lot about him doing superhero stuff. But that, it's just interesting, like I said when we when we broke the rumor that it's he chose Sandman, uh, must have a lot of a lot of confidence and faith. Uh, that yeah, those those good. comics are apparently incredible, and Neil Gaiman is uh, wonderful author. Yes. So yeah, um, I, yeah. No, I'm excited for that. That's that sounds pretty cool. I don't know how if it's filmable at all, but we'll see. Hey, Ken, here's a question hey. for you in movie news. Sure. Since you're our resident expert on this stuff, have we got an announcement as to as we get a little closer to NFL playoffs? What trailers are going to be playing on the Super Bowl yet? I was wondering if you uh, seen we anything haven't. on that. But today, I, we got a Dawn of the Planet of the Apes trailer drop today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Interstellar was yesterday. Whoa. And yeah. um, there's a lot of trailers that have been popping up. Ooh, uh, Godzilla. Have y'all seen the Godzilla trailer? I was just about to bring that up before, before Richard segued into it. Did you see the Dude. new Godzilla trailer, Richard? No, I, 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 I haven't. It Man. looks like the take that everybody's been wanting for Godzilla. It's really? yeah. it looks like uh have, did you ever see Monsters? Yes. On Netflix. It's on yes. Netflix now. It's sort of an indie movie about yeah. uh, found footage Brian, kinda yeah. not really found footage, but sort I think of grainy. Brian told me about it, but I haven't seen it. It's yeah. a really, Maybe. really well done sort of low budget monster flick. Super low budget too. Super like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars low budget. Yeah. And it, it looks, looks good. As good as Super Eight or um, you know, yeah. Cloverfield or whatever, whatever monster movie you can think of in the past fifteen years. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that director is who's doing Godzilla. Okay. So, man, the the trailer looks great, and let's just hope that Matthew Broderick's involved some. some <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do For like sure. Matthew I Broderick. Would, I, I don't know. You, and, and the listener too. Don't. I think this is a trailer that you want to see in the theater. Like, don't go look it up on yeah. YouTube or something. I saw it today when I went to see The Hobbit, and I, and I saw The Hobbit in a, in a pretty big theater. I didn't with, see uh, it in mine. Solid, That's lame. Uh, solid speaker system, and it was like it it was rattling the theater. The the, uh, the trailer was it looked the scope of it was was just spectacular. So I, I think people, if you see this in theaters, you're gonna get excited about it. I think it looks like it really. I mean, I coming at when they announced it, I'm like, I really could care less about could not care less about a, a Godzilla movie, but it looks like. It could be something special. I, I, I think so too. Cranston's in it. Cranston, yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen and um, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah. Who, awesome. who play husband and wife in this movie in Godzilla, and they play brother and sister in Avengers: Age of Ultron. So nice. that's going to be an interesting way to see how they handle that. We call but, that the Gyllenhaal theorem, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll. Uh, We'll have to see with Godzilla. That's an, that's one of my most anticipated right now, as yeah. far as 2014. 
Just because, like, the last there are movies so coming bad. out next year. Whoa! Yeah, there are. Which I we'll we talk were about. Taking a year off. My bad. Next week, when we talk about uh, American Hustle, we'll we'll talk about the movies coming out next year. I've got a list prepared, and we'll just go over the uh, most anticipated of of twenty fourteen. But yeah, that's one of my one of mine that I've circled. Uh, it's like I said, since since we got such a bad one before in the nineties. I think this might be the way to definitely the way to reboot it. Great soundtrack, though. Yeah. It was. You got Puff Daddy, Puff Daddy, and Led Zeppelin. Oh, Jimmy, yeah. Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. Wallflowers have a great cover on that. Yeah, one. they do the Dave Bo- David Bowie Heroes songs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Forgot it's about the that. Weird, weirdest soundtrack of all time. Come with me. Come with me. I remember as a kid thinking, "Let me your ears." <laughs> when did that movie come out? 97? Yeah. 98? Yeah. I remember as a kid thinking, seven. this is awesome. This song is awesome. And then, yeah. you know, like three years later, like, no, this song's terrible. It's just good because Jimmy Plant's involved. Like, that's the only... Come on, Jimmy Page. Jimmy... On, oh, did guys. I say Plant? My bad. Jimmy Page. That's the only reason that it's uh, that it's good is, is the cashmere in the background. So Yeah, I know. <laughs> I remember hearing cashmere for the first time and being like, man, they really ripped off that Puff Daddy song. <laughs> Cashmere was my favorite Zeppelin song till that song came out. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, just totally ruined it. <laughs> you can't you can't listen to that song without hearing Puff Daddy over it. Like <laughs> I, Is that so. a problem? <laughs> <laughs> not for you, Richard. Not for you. Did you know that the local I won't say them out loud because most of our listeners are not local, but the local pop radio station top forty sure. uh still plays Come With Me by Puff Daddy pretty regularly. They still play Ride With Me by Nelly on yeah. the reg, too. Like, but Puff Daddy came out like, that Come With Me, the Sting cover about Notorious B.I.G. came out like 97. Every yeah. breath you And you'll be like, some Miley Cyrus song, and then they'll rock that, and you're like, who still wants to hear this? Yeah, I don't know. I, I call and request it. <laughs> just out of memory one, for Biggie. I'm doing my I part. I hope it's one guy that just relentlessly requests it, and they just have to give in once a day. Just sitting at home, pouring out a 40 every single day. <laughs> I guess there are just certain songs on their playlist that they like go in and they delete. They're like They physically can't bring themselves to delete <laughs> it off their playlist. <laughs> a lot of good times with this one. A lot right. of good times. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? 
Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. A lot of good times. Speaking of good times, guys, let's move on and let's talk about The Hobbit. Was that an earthquake? That, my lad, was a dragon. All right, Brian Gill, well, I guess we should let you get your 40-minute thoughts out of the way (laughs) right off the top. Yeah. Uh, let yeah. me just let me just say that uh, let me get my first impressions before you go, Brian. Um, I went back and watched an unexpected journey before this, mm-hmm. and I, I did gain a a a greater appreciation for it sure. uh, by doing so. Uh, this movie felt more uh, franchised, I guess, than the other one did. It felt mm-hmm. more um, if you. Like if I had taken somebody to see go see Desolation of Smog and they had hadn't seen The Hobbit or any of the Lord of the Rings films, they would probably hate this movie and sure. uh, never want to talk to me again because of it. Uh, but for me, as somebody that who has uh, a great admiration for the Lord of the Rings trilogy and thinks it's top three trilogies of all time and uh, loves The Hobbit, uh, I thought this movie is awesome. It gave me. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't more of a family-friendly affair like the Unexpected Journey was. It didn't really set up the story as much as the other one did. It didn't waste a lot of time on that. Uh, in places, it did. In other places, which I'll go into specifics later. But I felt much more involved in the movie this time uh, because I. I I knew the characters from the first film and uh, I just felt more involved as a fan, I guess. Does that make sense? Sure. In the word involved. Uh, but I, I enjoyed myself. Uh, there are, this is, might not be my favorite, uh, probably not my favorite of Peter Jackson's films, mm-hmm. uh, but where it ranks uh, amongst the, just the Tolkien films, uh, I can't decide right now. Uh, sure. it's, it's, I think it's solid and I've got a lot of specifics to go over, uh, to go over later, but Brian, I just want your initial thoughts, uh, and Richard prepare yours in your mind, but, uh, Brian, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> nice. I, as a, so I, I said, when we did our Hobbit podcast, I, this is my favorite book of all time. I've read it. At least a dozen times, and it's probably verging on closer to two dozen times. Um, lo- love this book, and uh, I love the original trilogy. 
I think I was higher on the first film than you were when we when we talked about it, Kent. I think um, maybe maybe so. I I can't remember. But. I, any, regardless, I I really liked. The yeah, first you gave one. it an A. I remember you did. I didn't give it yeah. an A. Yeah, um, and and I have watched it a couple times since theaters, and I I I still really like it. I get why other people don't like it as much, but I still think it's strong. I, I definitely think that of the the first four uh, Tolkien films that Peter Jackson has done, The Hobbit is the worst one by a fair stretch. But I think that speaks more to how strong the Lord of the Rings trilogy is. Right. Um, th- with that said, as a Straight as a film, I think that this is this this second film is a is an improvement on the first one. Um, it's it's more exciting. It's probably better paced for the most part uh, than than the Hobbit was. You're right, Cam. I mean, it it you're going to be naturally more uh, involved or or invested in the characters in a second film than you are a first film, just because you you don't have to get an hour and a half of of groundwork laid for you, you know what I mean? So, so that helps some, the story's already moving. So that, that helps it get going. Um, so yeah, as a film, I think the CGI was better in this movie than it was the first time. I think he went back to some practical effects where he could, which is a, which my, like my biggest complaint about the first film. So that's good. Um, I am, I will, I will confess, I am torn from a, uh, literary adaptation standpoint. Um, I don't think this is nearly as strong as the first film on that level. And so that leaves me a little, that left me a little frustrated. I have a feeling that the way that I feel about this film will be better in after two or three or four viewings than it is right off the top, just because as somebody, I, I really try when I go see a movie, like I'm not somebody who has to have the movie be the exact same as the book. I understand Changes have to be made, and it's a movie. It's not the book, you know. And, and I'm I'm totally fine with that. Um, so I really don't. I try to watch it not from. I try to to not watch it from the standpoint of you know, oh, this is not as good as the book or whatever. This was one case where I had to fight that kind of constantly because all the really my my issue is any changes that were made from the book. I felt like a lot of most of them did not have to be made, and I think it weakened the overall story as compared to the book. So my, my, my total thoughts there just to summarize that I think as a movie, this is very good. And it's, it's, it is an improvement on the first film. Um, as somebody who loves this mythology, I guess, if that's the right term. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As someone who, I mean, I, I've been reading this book since I was five years old. Um, it is, decisively weaker from from that standpoint and it's hard for me to not let that carry over into my feelings about the film itself you should reiterate that you've seen i mean that you've read the hobbit novel over a dozen times or 20 times or something oh yeah so you know what you're talking about on that front you're not just saying that sure um richard barton well uh i'm you know i'm not the the target demo uh for this because like i um had girlfriends in high school and stuff and didn't read the book 100 no i'm kidding um no uh look i actually really like this movie um i didn't see uh the first hobbit movie in theaters yeah yeah actually this is my uh hold on to your hats gentlemen this is my first peter jackson movie in theaters i didn't see any of wow. the original trilogy 
I did not lovely see... bones? You didn't see those lovely bones? <laughs> uh, no, I couldn't because of uh, different parole issues. But, uh, <laughs> but no, <laughs> no, but the, uh, this is my first... The inspiration for that film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> A little close to home. Uh, Stanley Tucci and I. But <laughs> the, uh, this, so this is my first time doing it. And this is probably something I, I wouldn't see. Um, the thing I like, I, I like about doing this podcast is it stretches me to like go see stuff that it's not that I have anything against them. I didn't see any of these Tolkien movies. I don't like the woods. I don't like things that happen in the woods. Yeah. And so I stay away from that stuff. Um, My favorite thing about you. <laughs> I just, I don't, I tune out, but I saw the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, gosh, three or four years ago for the first time. And then I just saw Hobbit about a month ago because I knew this was coming up. And uh, I noticed we had it. Uh, the uh, roommate, Corndog, had it uh, in, our, in his Blu-ray collection, so I popped it in. So this is my first – it was pretty dazzling um, visually. Uh, and, uh, and so, but, but, Brian, I, I, you know, I read The Hobbit once in like seventh grade in, in, in just a lot of woods, so I didn't care about it. But uh, – <laughs> But I mean, obviously, respect Tolkien a great deal, and, and at, at some point, I probably will, will dive in fully. So I didn't have the kind of conflict you have. Um, sure. So I was able to kind of purely enjoy it as a movie, and so that was fun. Um, I'm trying to think of something that you guys didn't say. Uh, I, I, you know, the year of Cumberbatch continues. I thought he was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I like you know watching Martin Freeman and Co. Uh, is is far better than watching Elijah Wood for me. Uh, so on that on that piece, I liked it more than the the Tolkien movies. Um, that's really all I got. I mean, it just a you know, pretty fun little. I, you know, how long was this movie? I didn't really keep. I stayed for the whole thing. They're all two forty. Okay, you stayed for the whole thing. Way to go, buddy! I stayed for the whole thing, and because uh, I, you know, I I I don't like to walk out on stuff. Cause, honestly, I probably would have walked out. Not that it was bad, just because I just didn't care anymore. But I knew there was a uh, a third movie, so I had sure. to be. That, had to, see, the way had to, to see the cliffhanger, yeah, yeah. the The way to keep me in your movie is let me know there's another one after this, and I might <laughs> I might stick around. Right. So but, if RIPD <laughs> would have told you there was a sequel coming in 2015, you would have you would have watched more than 30 minutes. <laughs> no, I would have just gone. <laughs> I would have gone and murdered the producer. But um, so yeah, no, it was, it was a really I the the, the holiday release is. I, I don't I don't know if these fit. This one I want to ask you guys. I thought that the Lord of the Rings really fit that holiday release piece because um, they were kind of, in addition to being blockbusters, um, you know, really kind of important critical movies that that sure. won a bunch of Oscars. Does the does the holiday release for these seem fitting? I, to me, it doesn't. I, I'd like to see these out, like out in the summer or something. Yeah, for these hot movies, they're I more agree. summer movies to me. I think originally that before the first one came out, like leading up to it, everybody was talking about how this was, it was going to be Oscar caliber stuff. And then it wasn't. So I I think, I think if they had it to do over again, you're probably right. I think it fits better in like May than it does uh, in December. Uh, I I think you're right. But I I, I think, I think they thought it was going to be something that contends for, for Oscars and stuff. I was just curious about that. Cause it's a weird kind of to be watching that movie right now uh, without, unless it was like about Christmas or something, which I don't, I don't think it is. Is it about Christmas? I don't know. I'm not good at allegory. 
but uh, stick around for the third one. It could be, out. yeah. Uh, but no, it's it was no. I enjoyed it. Good job. Well done, Jackson. He's he. I want to see him do something else, though. Yeah, he's uh, done. There's 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 very little uh, Tolkien left for him to cover. I think at this point. And, and by that, by something else, I mean not Tintin, though. He is, be, no, he is doing Tintin's his next movie. I, I know, but I mean yeah. something else besides Tintin in this. Like, yeah, yeah like I agree. Yeah, another Lovely Bones type um, thing. So I agree. Yeah, totally. Um, so originally, these was this was going to be two movies. It was going to be There and Back Again was going to be the second one, and Unexpected Journey the first one. Yeah. And so, like everyone knows, uh, Jackson decided in the middle, or not in the middle, I guess after they finished two of them, uh, hey, we can make this into three. So they went back for reshoots, I think over 100 days of pickups and reshoots in order to make to make it three films. So the, the first movie, Unexpected Journey, was supposed to end on the barrel sequence, mm-hmm. which in, oh, really? uh, yeah, in Desolation so- doesn't come till about 40 minutes into the movie. More than that, I would so, say. So yeah, it, yeah, at least 40 I didn't, yeah. I didn't. I didn't time it, but so man, that that would have made Unexpected Journey quite, quite the uh, the long movie. But I'm sure. sure they added a lot of stuff at the beginning here. I liked. I kind of liked the uh, little scene at the beginning with Thorin and Gandalf in the bar, where they're kind of meeting, where they yeah, meet that for was the a, first time. That was kind of that was a good way to kind of set put you back into the setting, you know, because. Sure. The second movie in a trilogy is always the hardest because you you don't really have a start and you don't really have an end, and so that can be challenging. That was a good way to to get you to refamiliarize you with what uh, what you're about to see. I, I totally agree. I was a little surprised at the first frame almost of the of the film. The first person we see on screen is Peter yes. Jackson himself. <laughs> yeah, I was like, how what a what an awful way to take us immediately out of the movie. Yeah, by putting yourself in the first frame of the movie. Yeah, I thought it's that very, was a little fairly self-serving cameo for sure. Yeah, totally. But Tar- Tarantino I that was funny. Yeah, at least Tarantino yeah. waited to the last scene yeah. in Django. But but at least Peter Jackson didn't speak with a terrible Australian <laughs> accent. So. No, how dare you? Yeah, he, has a, <laughs> he has a terrible New Zealand accent, you know. But <laughs> right. actually, but oh no, that was the best part of Django. <laughs> I'll I'll stand by it. That was artist. That was like Kanye level genius. So this movie was very dark. Yeah, I think this movie might fall into the category of the second movie darkness <laughs> themed movie, like the Thor, the Dark World, Star Trek into Darkness, The Dark Knight, and Desolation of Smog. They kind of kind of go together in this this dark, trendy, trendy movie, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't as visually stunning to me as the first one at, at times. I, I like the smog stuff and uh Mirkwood forest was, was fine at the beginning. Uh, the barrel sequence was incredible. Uh, I thought, I don't know if you guys, you guys felt that way. I thought it yeah, was very, no, very no, no. extremely well thought out mm-hmm. and probably took a ton of time to, to complete pre-visualize and, and all of the above. Wow. That was that was the most exhilarating moment of the of the movie for me. I thought it could have been a little longer. I caught I thought the Mirkwood Forest sequence could have been a little longer, but I do kind of enjoy that though about it. Um, 
Because those sequences in themselves, like the barrels and the and the Mirkwood Forest, the spiders and everything, the beginning, they they have such potential to be like big, awesome, ba- like battle sequences or something. Yeah. But the fact that they're so so short, yeah, is good because it, you know, something bigger and better is coming. You know, like a battle uh, at the end of, or like something with smog at the end, or the battle of five armies or something. You know, it's going to outdo right. that. You know what I mean? Like. We get a we get a ten minute spider sequence like oh my gosh what's coming next a twenty five minute battle you know like uh, it's yeah. a good way for for Peter Jackson to constantly keep outdoing himself with yeah. his with his action sequences and I I enjoy that I thought they I'll were disagree with you bit. just a little bit there be, just more and I I, I I I don't know how much of this is just I really like some of these scenes in the book and I'm a little depra- I'm a little sad by how they played out on the movie but. I felt like the first twenty or thirty minutes, maybe. Oh, this movie really, was was slow. I thought it was really choppy. Like really? You were, it was almost jumping from from scene to scene without any development of the situation, and that I don't feel like if you're going to take two hundred fifty pages and stretch it into three three hour movies, I don't think there should be any choppiness. Like that that bothered me a little bit. The scenes with uh, Bjorn, the giant. Uh, bear guy at the very beginning, man. Bear really, bear. yeah. I mean, they just really fat. They they really fast forwarded through that and and, and yeah. pushed pushed too hard. I think, and I, I'm with you. I think the in the book, and I, I, again, I don't need the movie to be exactly like the book, but I there was a. I feel like there was some tension within the book based on their travels through Mirkwood Forest and and it builds into this really interesting um, way in which they get caught and in which they, they come in contact with the spiders. And I feel like the movie really, really jumped ahead pretty fast to, through all that stuff when I, I could have used a little bit more uh, setup at that point. Now, I once bet, we got I going, we do I was get more. I bet we do get more Mirkwood. I think we maybe. will. In the second movie, I, probably in the extended edition, we'll get a lot more. Yeah. Maybe so, but for this, for right now, I I think the first twenty or thirty minutes of this, I I'm not sure. I, I really didn't care for the the beginning of the film. Once they get yeah. into the the uh, once they get caught by the wood elves, and I think that that point it starts to settle in from a storytelling standpoint. I really did not enjoy the first say twenty thirty minutes of 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 the movie in in, in the pacing anyway. I totally agree. I, I, um, uh, Richard, do you have anything to say about that immediately? I, I mean, I have nothing to compare it to. It, it seemed fine to me, but I, you know, it I, took way too long for them to get into it. I think I had well, a complaint about to last me, week's film. It just took every, like that's every every what Peter, Peter Jackson. Jackson movie yeah, yeah, Peter they take all. They all take a lot of me, so I went in kind of expecting that, so it didn't bother me, yeah. but. That's just me. Yeah, that is that's a good point, Richard. That all of his movies are, are sort of like, like like King Kong took an hour and a half to get to the island or something. Yeah, the right. first uh, the first Lord of the Rings movie arguably takes three hours to get going. Sure, and it's oh, when the yeah. two towers starts that it finally gets go- good. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's um, takes a while to get going. It took way too long to get to Erebor. I thought um, when you're gonna. I realize the movie's called The Desolation of Smog, so it's more about the destruction of Smog than Smog or Smog, I should say. Right. The, the destruction 
or terror of Smaug rather than Smaug himself. Yeah. But I really enjoyed the sequences with Smaug at the, at the, I guess the third act and thought that they could have made more out of it. I'm sure they will in the, in the next film, but I thought this was going to be the Smaug movie and the next one's going to be the war movie or whatever. But I guess they're sort of piggybacking Smaug on to both of these films, which is fine sure. with me. Which they should, because that that was awesome. Like that was the be- that was to me that was absolutely the best part of the movie was the the interaction with Smaug. That was yeah great design on that part. I thought this movie was going to be hev- heavy. I thought the Necromancer was going to be a heavy player in this in this mm-hmm. game. Didn't turn out that way, which is kind of uh, made me happy. Thought they kind of would have gone overboard with that. They did. We did get a lot of stuff with Gandalf and the White Orc and the Necromancer, and uh, but I didn't feel like it was overdone. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like Peter Jackson could have gone two ways with this movie. He could have just given us all Necromancer. Like uh, he could he could have taken an hour on Necromancer turning into Sauron or whatever, yeah. you know. And uh, he could have really stretched out that that aspect of it, but he didn't, which I appreciate. Um. I enjoyed Bilbo in this movie. He was not the main person, really. I, I, I was surprised that he was sort of a background guy in this movie for a lot of it, other than when he's in Smaug's lair at the when he agrees to, I guess, wake up Smaug or whatever, or go get the Arkenstone. Yeah. Uh, but I, I liked getting to know the other dwarves. Totally. Uh, I really, uh, Feely and Keely were big players <laughs> in this. Such a stupid sentence. I really like getting to know those other (laughs) I did. No, I know. I agree with you. It's just funny out of context. Totally. These things make me laugh. And uh, I I don't know. I feel like by the time this is all said and done, like from the first Hobbit film to the last, we're going to have a good understanding of all 13 dwarves, you know, uh, what they bring to the table, which I appreciate and like. Uh, like I said, I liked how, how Bilbo didn't really care the movie. We got other people involved. I like that. Um, the stuff in Lake town, I kind of enjoyed. I liked, uh, Luke Evans as Bard. That, yeah. that, I enjoyed him. Uh, what else? No, I liked- I'm with you there. I, the character development in this movie was way better than the it first. Was very. One. Yeah. And I, I really liked that. I love I really, truly love the way Martin Freeman Freeman is playing Bilbo. I think it's just really solid stuff. Um, and I think I think Richard Armitage, the guy who plays uh, Thorin, yes, I, that guy's got something. I think because it's it's not real easy to be a commanding presence in a film when you're three feet shorter than everybody else. You know, I mean, you're he's playing yeah. a dwarf with a lot of makeup and. Uh, he does a really excellent job of embodying that character. I think I'm I'm becoming more and more interested to see like what he does outside of this you know this franchise moving forward. And I, I liked getting a little bit more of some of these other dwarves and Bard. I wish they would have done the same with Bjorn at the beginning. Um, yeah, you know. But anyway, all the all these side characters have. That that was a major strength of this film that I I definitely do not I think was a weakness in the first film for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first film I noticed, and correct me if I'm wrong. First film in the Peter Jackson Tolkien series that we haven't gotten Gladriel, and no uh, Smeagol either. Gollum. 
Yeah. So that was a noticeable absence, I felt, the absence of Gollum in this one. Mm-hmm. I was wanting him to show up, but it didn't happen. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, was, I was glad Kate Blanchett didn't show up, kind of, because like, as soon as her and Hugo Weaving show up in one of these, it's like going to be an hour-long dialogue about <laughs> the yeah, politics yeah. of <laughs> what's about to happen. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, I'm true. glad the only elves we sure. got was Legolas, you know, and right. uh, Evangeline Lilly and just slaying right. people. I appreciated right. that. Right. I, I wanted there to be more action in this movie, though. I got to say, like, uh, I feel like the Two Towers was just in a, a battle sequence the entire time, you know, and this, this was – I felt like I wanted this to be the equivalent of a Two Towers for this series, and it was very – not – not laid back or um, uh, conservative, I would say, but it was just uh, very much uh, normal to me. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't wowed. Maybe the Battle of the Five Armies is what this is all leading yeah. up to. I was gonna say you're gonna get a lot of action in the next movie, I think, because you're gonna get Smaug heading towards Lake Town. You're gonna get the Battle of the Five Armies. You're gonna get some kind of conclusion to Gandalf with, with the necromancer and, and whatnot. So I, I imagine the third movie is going to be pretty much constant action. Yeah. Um, the score wasn't nearly as good in this film as the, as the first Hobbit movie. I didn't think it was very dark. The cues were the same. If like they were there, but it just didn't hit like the, like the first movie. Like I got goosebumps numerous times in the, in the Hobbit. Because uh, of the score, it was just so epic at times. Uh, but this, I didn't feel that way on this one, uh, which is rare because I've I've really enjoyed the scores for all the all the Jackson Tolkien films. Um, what what else can we say? Um, what what sequences did you did you really enjoy, Brian? I love the all the stuff with Smaug was was pretty awesome. Yeah. I love the confrontation or the conversation, I guess, between him and him and Bilbo. That's a, a, a like I think a classic moment that was taken almost verbatim out of the out of the book, which is really cool. Cool. I like Bard a lot, so I'm 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 enjoying a little bit of development there, and that wasn't necessarily a big part of the of the of the novel, so that's that's kind of cool, and. Uh, you know, the there are a lot of people that don't care for the my like my my dad and my my brother are both in this camp, but that don't care for the the elegance and the kind of crazy ninja skill level that the elves fight with, like Legolas yeah. and Evangeline Lily. But I thought this was I thought that that worked really well in this this setting, maybe more so than it does in the the Lord of the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So I thought that was pretty pretty solid um, overall. But no, I mean in the last thirty minutes that all you know that involves the dragon pretty heavily. That's man, that's good stuff. And they did an, just a great great uh, job of of uh, on creature design with that. That's one of the yes. Uh, that's one of that's probably the best looking. Nerdy, nerdiest comment I'll ever make, but that's probably the best looking dragon I've ever seen uh, on well, film. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. Obviously, you haven't seen Dragonheart starring Sean <laughs> I did think of Dragonheart when I was watching that, but it was uh, no. I, I think it's man, just awesome job on that on that front. So the <laughs> the the eight year old D and D player um, in my past was really excited about that. So 
It was cool you stuff. Should really, you should really let him out of your closet. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, first off, I love that Brian uh, has a like favorite dragons list. It's, it's not. <laughs> It's not very the lead there. Smaug, followed by the <laughs> Harry Potter one, and then Reign of Fire. <laughs> um, but can we, I mean, eventually Lily was a strong addition. Yeah, yeah. She felt, she shoot really well into it. She yeah. looks like an elf. She so does. Yeah. So. Great casting. The Even gloss, more so than Liv Tyler, which I didn't think was possible. But go ahead. Yeah. Is there anyone, I guess Matthew Fox is the only like lost cast member that's not also in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> like the exact. Yes. Hurley. Hurley hasn't shown up yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> they all used the same. But uh, no, it was, it was, uh, I liked it. I, I was surprised that I liked it as much as I did. Yeah, me. Me as well. These I are, agree. These I are agree. It movies for sure. I mean, this is a this is a fun movie to see in a theater. I, I think even if you're not a huge fan of yeah. of what this is, like you like you, Richard. I don't think you're. I don't think anybody would confuse you with the huge Lord of the Rings Hobbit fan. And these are fun, but they're they're enjoyable oh, movies to see in. I the totally theater, get it. Sure. And I got it before I saw them. Like, I was never sure. like a hater hater on right, them. It's right, just right. like I missed them in the theater, so it was just like, well, I'm not gonna. You know what I mean? I, I'm right, a pretty right. open-minded person on that front, but but because I mean, I'm I'm a pretty great person, but um, no, but no, these are these are very cool. Like they're they're totally not my thing, but I totally get why they're other people's thing, and I think they're awesome. And you're right, totally an event. I'll definitely see, even if for some reason we're not doing the podcast in a year, I w- I will see the next one in the theater because of that. So sure, cool. man. This was the first time, though. I gotta I gotta admit. When um, I was sitting in the theater watching this, and uh, I just—it was the first time I felt a true appreciation for what Jackson has done here with the first three um, Lord of the Rings films and with The Hobbit and this. Okay, Brian's about to start crying. Uh, <laughs> you can if you're welcome to, and I might cry too. But I just felt so happy watching these and these characters yeah. and. Yeah. Um, it's just such a joy to watch these uh, that these movies come out, you know, and that we get to experience and experience them. Um, this is the Star Wars of our time. It really is. Uh, it's not gonna probably live like like as as much as Star Wars as far as you know the pop culture significance. But um, man, these movies are just cinematically they're far beyond anything Star Wars ever did. Uh, well. The Clone Wars. <laughs> the Clone Wars are good. The series, the the cartoon, if that's what you're implying. Uh, but I meant the, I meant Attack of the Clones. I'm sorry. Whatever. But man, these um, they're just such an incredible, incredible, f- um, accomplishment in filmmaking. And I don't know if any of you have seen the production diaries that they released for these. Mm-hmm. But there's like a two hour one for the first movie, and there's. Probably they've released probably thirty minutes for a desolation of smog, uh, but man, it's just an incredible thing to witness the production, just the complexity and scale that these movies are on is just mind boggling, and the fact that they work so beautifully and uh, make actually make sense, <laughs> and uh, that you can go like in the Hobbit, I mean in the Lord of the Rings movies and and look for stuff that they they clue into in the hobbit like there's such a huge amount of detail involved in in these films 
that it's truly, truly staggering to think about. <laughs> it, it really, sure. really is. And the fact that one man did all this, like, you know, two men actually, Tolkien and Peter Jackson did all this. Mm. Like, that's incredible to think about. Uh, but man, I mean, yeah, I, I'm really excited for There and Back Again, which is the third film in the series. And uh, it's got a lot to live up to because uh, I'm expecting a big, a big finale here. Uh, you've read the novel, Brian, how does, how does the finale, should I be excited? Oh yeah. Like I said, the third one is going to be, if you're a fan of, of action, you know, in in this uh, sort of world, I mean, you're going to get, you're going to get all you can handle, I think in the third one. So how many, and how, how many woods? (laughs) Not too much woods. I don't think. Nice. There really isn't a lot of woods in these, Richard. No. Like but there's, there there's forests and there's a well there's, that's that's woods I don't there's woods but there's a lot of prairies mountains yeah uh, it's, it's it'll be mostly mountain in the next the next don't ever years. watch Game of Thrones if you don't like woods yeah, Richard because that's all woods yeah yeah or Robin Hood don't watch any of that I mean that's that's a Robin, lot of woods as well Robin Hood oh I forgot about that any Game Robin Hood really I mean yeah um, anything else you guys want to say uh, what, what's your grade on this Brian. Uh, B plus. B plus. Yeah, Richard. and I might. I don't know. I, I like I said at the beginning. I think this is a movie that I'm going to appreciate more. This movie might end up being my favorite, honestly. Like I, I, I say that I always end up liking the one the most that I didn't like the most in the theater at the first. You know. Yeah. Uh, this one definitely is going to require probably the most, uh, you know, rewatchability uh, time. It's gonna. Sure. It's gonna require a lot of. A lot of study. Uh, no, Richard, go go ahead and give me your grade. I was gonna say B plus, but I I want to to be higher on a Lord of the Rings film than Brian, so I'm gonna go A minus. <laughs> cool, I'm gonna go A minus too. Uh, like I said, um, if you're a fan of these series, you're gonna love the Desolation. I think it's a it it pleases all the fans that easily, and I could tell like the people in my theater were the were the fans, and they really they really liked it. But I think that the unexpected journey might be better, like movie for like to take your kids to or something. I think they would understand it a little easier than than this. Uh, but let's talk about the ending real quick, Brian. How does it end in the book? Is this is the ending here uh, at all relevant to what what's in the book or what? Uh, you mean how how desolation of Smaug ends? Yeah, ends how so Smaug? To, so they like yeah. traps trap Smaug and they pour that, uh, yeah that doesn't gold into in a book. gold into a mold and then the mold breaks and pours all over Smaug and Smaug gets pissed off and he flies out of the cave and says he's yeah. gonna wreak destruction on everybody as revenge sure. and that's the end and Bilbo says what have I done or something yeah so the that's the end. Pool. You know, the conclusion of him flying off to uh, to attack Lake Town, that's what's in the book. The the dwarves fighting him within the mountain uh, really is not. So that was that was kind of an addition. In the in the book, uh, Bilbo has the conversation with him. Smile gets ticks. Bilbo gives him the you know barrel rider thing, and uh, Smile takes off towards Lake Town, and the dwarves hide in that. Uh, little cave there, like the, the walkway that they found or whatever, the door. Yeah. They just have to like sit there and wait while he terrorizes the mountain and then heads down to, to Lake town. So, uh-huh. 
But I thought that was a cool addition. That was one of the, the the parts of the like the new stuff that Jackson added that I actually really liked. I enjoyed that aspect of them like fighting back to try to reclaim their mountain. That was pretty cool. So I'm guessing um I'm I'm guessing that Bilbo is going to insert the sword into that little gap in the scales. That's how it's going to end. You're going to have to wait and see. <laughs> okay, I I will wait and see then. Uh all right guys. Well, let's move on. Let's see weekly recommends. Weekly recommends. All right, my my recommend this week is sort of a recommend within a recommend. Uh, I guess it's called the Alamo 100. I don't know if you guys heard about this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to alamo100.drafthouse.com, and the Alamo Drafthouse released uh, this sort of 100 essential movies. Uh, which was chosen by the staff of Alamo Drafthouse. Awesome. And so it's yeah. just a hundred movies that they think you should see before you die. And there's a lot of awesome random flicks in here. And it's the page is worth going to just to see the posters that they chose. Yeah, they, it's very they chose cool. like random posters uh, for it. And movies such as Waiting for Guffman, Wayne's World, uh, UHF, Tommy Boy. Uh, Step Up to the Streets is actually on here. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, what else? Awesome. Robocop, Pulp Fiction. Uh, there was a there was a really random one. Oh, Home Alone. Yeah, really random. Yeah, sweet. Home Alone. Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. Yeah. Uncle I, Buck. Days and Confused. Clueless. Uncle Buck. Wow. Wayne's World. Yeah, big. Okay, so, yeah, a lot of great films. So, just go to You've our got website, Mad About Movies. Yeah, You Got Mail. Random. Uh, so Dave Chappelle's website. greatest work. <laughs> it might be. Uh, cinematically. Uh, so go to our website and ch- click on Weekly Recommends and uh, and that check out this awesome. list. It's a really cool list. I'm going to try to knock out some of these in 2014, I yeah. think. So. Well, it's a really diverse list. I think it's cool because I've seen yeah. a lot of these. And a lot of these times these lists are, you know, a bunch of Kurosawa films and some, like, Fritz Lang film. And you're just like, oh, okay. I've got to sit right. through two and a half yeah. hours of Metropolis, but this is cool. This is a, a very attainable. It has some of that. There's some, certainly some older stuff and some kind of elevated stuff, but a lot of really cool. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Thanks, guys. Good one. Cool. Yeah. So the Alamo 100 is my recommend. So Brian, I'm going to recommend a uh, an album. Um, I'm not. I don't know how you guys are going to go on this one, but uh, anyway, I went to I went on vacation this last week and. Was listening to some new music on uh, on the plane. Listened to the Arcade Fire album for the first time, like all the way through and stuff. I hadn't had a chance to do that yet, so that was cool. It's um, awesome. It is. It's really good. Um, really, really strong. But uh, I picked up this album uh, a couple of months ago uh, from uh, a guy named Jason Isbell, who uh, used to be a member of the Drive By t- Truckers. Um, oh, okay. In the uh, like the middle of the, this last decade. And so, um, he's, this is a solo record of his, it's called Southeastern. It just came out this, I don't know, this fall. And it is just magnificent. Um, really, uh, just this guy's got, he's an incredible lyricist. I think he, he, uh, some of the, the rhymes almost that he puts together are just are incredible. Um, it's got a great sound. It, I never really know what to call singers and bands that that are in that category because they don't—they're not really country and they're not 
really rock and to call them yeah. southern rock makes it sound like it's just uh i don't know like leonard skinner or something which is also not what it is so it's it's kind of southern folk i guess is what you would call it yeah the, the best comparison i can make is it it sounded to me it sounds to me like if jacob dylan was born in the south and had killed a man at some point like sure. that's what this this sounds like and it's uh Man, it's really good. The, the the opening track on the on the album is just gorgeous, and it really just sets the tone for the whole thing. Um, anyway, I, I love it. I've listened to it like four or five times through in the last week or two, and uh, man, it's just an outstanding outstanding album um, that uh, I really like. So, so it's, again, it's called Southeastern by Jason Isbell. Okay, sweet, awesome. awesome. I'll check that out, Richard. Mine is a book this week. Uh... I've been reading um, actually kind of – well, normally the kind of stuff I read, it's actually kind of a business book. But I think um, it can apply to a lot of different things and it's really pretty good. It's by a guy by the name of Jonah Berger um, who's a prof- uh, professor in the business school, the Wharton School at, uh, at Penn. Um, the book's called Contagious and it's okay. a, a study on what makes things go um, viral in a sense. Not so much internet-wise oh. – but word of mouth, and, and it, he uses a lot of um, – so so in terms of going viral, you know, it, going viral on the internet is um, a lot of marketing researchers believe maybe 7 to 10% of what actual going viral is and how much more important word of mouth going viral is, actually interpersonal communication because you just talk so much more in real life and exchange so many more ideas in your day-to-day life than you, than you do on a computer. Um, but anyway, some in, in some things that people have done – that have made their restaurant go viral, or not their restaurant, their their business go viral. An example being a restaurant, I'll give this one just to kind of understand the scope of the book. And there's hundreds of these in a book, but there's there's a a a a, a restaurant, a steak restaurant in Philly, kind of an upscale steak restaurant. And you guys know the hardest business to get into is is mm-hmm. restaurant business, and mm-hmm. uh, they decide that they are going to make since they're in Philadelphia, it's a steakhouse, a gourmet cheese uh, cheese steak. And they price it at a hundred dollars, a hundred dollar cheesesteak, and you know it's got Kobe beef and very fancy cheeses and things like that. And just the idea of a hundred a hundred dollar cheesesteak, people come in by the droves just to say you know they ordered it, and it basically launched the steakhouse. And it's ideas like that that create a a business um, and setting yourself apart and things like that. Uh, a real, really interesting book. I, I, I think you would both, especially you two, would love it. Uh, Sweet. And the, yeah. And the guy's young. I mean, he's a professor at the Wharton School, but he's probably like 31. Um, so it's a very hip, kind of cool look at, at what makes ideas spread. So highly recommend it. Love it. Awesome. Contagious cool. by Jonah Berger. Thanks, thanks yep. Richard. No problem. Uh, okay. Well, Brian, let me ask you this. Where can I find you online? You can find me on Twitter at bgill12, or you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard, Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden. Kent, where can I find you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, and you can find our show online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Download episodes on there. Find week recommends on there. Contact the show on there as well. And remember, leave a five-star review on iTunes. Anything else you guys want to mention about The Hobbit before we get out of here? Cool. Nope. <laughs> Alright, well on that note, <laughs> until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>